back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Paul, and special guest, Dan. Uh, you guys hopefully remember Dan from the last time he was on, talking about Power Rangers twice Power with Rangers! us. Power <laughs> uh, So Brian is not here because he is currently on vacation, so we hope he's having a wonderful time. And just as a little tidbit of information, we did not plan this. We are running it live, and part of that is to raise Brian's blood pressure when he actually listens to it. <laughs> we should just throw some really shady stuff in, into it for him to have to edit. <laughs> well, if I'd have known that, I would have started messing with the script. Dang it. <laughs> we don't have a script for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's a, a little script? bit of a script. <laughs> okay, what episode is this? That's right! Are we going to raid a government facility? Because it's episode 51. Oh, Did gosh. You... We're, we're not going to uh, Area 51 to raid in September, are we? I hope so. I got my Naruto run all worked <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, That's how you say uh, that, right? Naruto? Naruto? I think so. That's well, past my time. We we need we need a Naruto runner or Naruto or whatever it is runner. Uh, we also need a Kyle to be able to punch through walls with his uh, with his monster fueled energy punches and Bud Light. You can't forget Bud Light. Got to have that Bud Light. <laughs> if you missed our last episode, you should really check it out. When the gang and Brian talked about Monica Lewinsky. You yeah, can find we did. That. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You can find that and all the past episodes at datingourselfpodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and where you find your podcasts. I find mine in a cigar store. <laughs> That's a good place to find them. Yeah. Brian, your voice changed. Yes, it did. I'm going. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we're going for the barrier white episode. Uh I'm getting real uncomfortable all of a sudden. <laughs> getting real uncomfortable in here. All right, so let's get started. This week, I am going to be leading a discussion on the canceled too soon masterpiece Firefly, which was submitted by listener Megan. This will conclude Adam's 2019 season, and the last standing topic is Cheers, which will be led by Brian next time. There will be nostalgia combat, but it's really just But it's really just for funsies because everything's made up and the points don't matter. So a thousand balloons to the victor. Uh, We won't be visiting the hopper of imagination as we're going to start fresh next year. So Adam, tell us about the brown coats. Right, so I figured there's a lot we'll uh, obviously get to on this show, but I thought it would be first pertinent to kind of go over the, you know, some of the cast as well as the premise of the show for those who may not have ever seen it, much like me who only recently started uh, watching the show and and binge-watched a bunch of it since the topic was given to me. So, uh, to start out... I know, right? I know. How I don't know how I, dare I, you? 
I know. I remember the show being on. I just, I don't think I ever knew anybody at the time that watched it or at least mentioned it to me. So I just never really got into it. I don't know. It was, it's just one of those. And, and IMDB gives it a 9.0 out of 10. So it's obviously very highly rated. So anyway, uh, Firefly is a show that was created by Joss Whedon. Uh, obviously a big name in TV probably most known for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Would you guys agree? Yes. And then maybe the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a big one up there too. Uh, So Firefly follows the crew of a Firefly class ship called the Serenity 500 years into the future. It follows the entire crew of the ship uh, which includes the captain, played by Nathan Fillion. Cap- right? Yes. Right? The Nathan Fillion. He plays Captain Malcolm Mal Reynolds. And then his crew consists of Gina Torres, who plays Zoe Washburn, who throughout the watching the show, I would venture to say that him and Zoe are probably the closest out of him and all of his crew members. That's fair. Yeah. Or at least pretty close up there. Like, she, he he definitely trusts her, and we'll kind of get into why that is. When, stuff when like you're that. fighting a war together, it's kind of yeah. hard to... <laughs> yeah, so that's the, that's the big thing, and I'll get back to that in just a minute. So Gina Torres plays Zoe Washburn. Alan Tudyk, who is absolutely amazing in just about everything. Uh, you might know him as Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball, as well as a whole bunch of other ones, including probably one of my favorite roles, which uh, he was in, which was in Death at a Funeral. His character in that is absolutely hysterical. Uh, but he plays Hoban, Hoban Wash Washburn, the husband of Zoe Washburn. And then you have Morena Baccarin, who plays Anara Sarah. And you might know her as, um, oh my gosh, I was going to say Victoria, but that's not right. Vanessa in the Deadpool movies. Uh, that's oh, probably her oh yeah. biggest role. Oh my God, that's where I was thinking about that as I was rewatching <laughs> it. And I'm like, where the hell have I seen her from? Right? That's it. So, uh, yeah, that's probably where she's most known for. She also made an appearance in How I Met Your Mother and some various other shows and movies and stuff like that. But those were the biggest ones I picked out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Adam Baldwin as Jane Cobb. Uh, one of He's kind of the feuding crew member. Like He's the one that aspires to be the captain of the ship. Uh, there's Jewel State, who plays Kaylee Fry. She's kind of the mechanic uh, eng- engineer of the ship. Uh, Sean Mayer, Marr, something like that, uh, plays Dr. Simon Tam. He is a guy that's introduced in one of the early episodes, along with his sister in the show, played by Summer Glau. Her name is River Tam. And then the cast is kind of rounded out, or the crew, I should say, is uh, rounded out by Shepard Daryl Book, played by Ron Glass. And so that's the crew that makes up the crew of this uh, Firefly class ship called the Serenity. The story of the show takes place six years after Mal and Zoe were fighting together in a war that was basically pitting together. It really kind of resembles almost like Star Wars in a, in a mm-hmm. instance uh, yeah. yeah. there because you have the Alliance, which would be very akin to the Empire, and then you have instead of the rebels they're called the independent 
Yep. Independence? Or there yep. was another name they called them too. Brown coats. Brown coats. Brown coats. That's right. Brown coats. Yep. Um, and so the war ends on the Battle of Serenity Valley. And so that's the where they get the name for the ship. But uh, Mal and Zoe fight together there, and the brown coats end up losing the war. And then they end up getting this ship, and uh, it kind of flashes forward six years into the future, where they're now with this crew, and they're just kind of uh, basically like smugglers and uh, space pirates, pirates, space, space pirates. pirates. Yeah. That are you know traveling throughout the galaxy trying to get uh, different jobs and stuff like that. But what really I think sets this show apart, and we can kind of talk about this, is the fact that it is a space western. So despite yeah. the fact that it's set five hundred years in the future and in space, it is at its very heart and uh, really aesthetically, it's a western series. I, and I uh, think I, the reason I, that I like it too is because it's. You know, you've got that whole final frontier like the Star Trek, like Star Trek yeah. would do. And mm-hmm. it talks about like how the central planets have kind of like everything. And then these outer planets where, where they kind of where Serenity spends most of its time doesn't really have a whole lot of anything. And, and law is pretty non-existent there, even though Alliance is in right. control. And I, which, I just, which is kind of the old West, if you think about it, like yeah. the the central area, like the central region or whatever, where there's kind of more of the law and order would be very much akin to like in American history, the East Coast and some of the early settlements and stuff like that. Whereas the outer planets would be the, you know, the Wild West, the, the areas that really didn't have a lot of law because you had people that were basically out there mining and doing things you know basically just doing whatever they could to survive and you really see a lot of those same themes show up in the show which i think is a really interesting take on that absolutely i i kind of in my mind i compare it to have gun will travel i mean every episode Mm -hmm. is it's got an overarching story to it but Almost every episode, you could pick up anywhere and pick up enough to know what was going on. (laughs) And And that's actually a a point we need to talk about in a little bit. It's an adventure. It's an adventure of the week type show, but essentially they are, you know, they're whatever you need to be for hire, and their morals come into play. So they'll, you know, they always take the moral high ground over the job. Yep, especially the captain. Even though, like, he 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 always. He, he tries to put off that persona of, like, he doesn't care. But then whenever they get caught with a sticky situation, he always finds uh, the the moral high ground, as it were. And he sticks to that no matter what, almost right. always. Right. Which makes sense. You know, he's supposed to be kind of the old Western hero, kind of the guy that brings law and morality to the the situation. So it makes sense that he would kind of take on that role, even though he leads this you know, band of outlaws and stuff. Mm-hmm. Prior to this show, can you guys think of any other space westerns? Because I can only think of one. Uh, uh, not really prior to it, but there's definitely some that have come out since then. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I I I know for a fact that one just debuted on Disney Plus. The Mandalorian is actually considered a space western. That's the official genre of the the show, The Mandalorian. Nice. Yeah. 
The only movie or the only thing I can think of is there was a Charles Band movie in '90s, and it's kind of a it's what I refer to as a cult cult classic. So you have <laughs> you have cult classics that are more or less mainstream, which Firefly, Firefly would consider yeah. would consider to be in that genre where they call it a cult classic, but it's it's generally well loved, and most people are at least familiar with it, if not only in name. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas Oblivion, uh, a ni- 1992 Charles Band movie, is only known to people who are true fans of Charles <laughs> Band or Full Moon. Uh, <laughs> Charles Band's the guy that brought us such classics such as Puppet Master. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. Evil Bong. Um, <laughs> the ginger dead man <laughs> demonic toys oh my god this sounds like a this sounds like a bad movie night <laughs> uh it has they m- many of his films have been featured on uh monster vision and elvira so and it's almost nice. like he produced movies for those shows but if you ever get a chance i'm not saying it's a great movie but it was definitely unique it was low budget and it is a true space western hey no, just because it's low budget doesn't mean it's freaking awesome that's true that's, that's true, true. Oh, gosh. So, uh, as Paul kind of mentioned, you know, it's kind of an adventure of the week, but there's kind of these these overarching storylines that kind of follow throughout the series. And one that I found in, in particular to be pretty interesting, and I wanted to kind of see what you guys thought about it, was the uh, Simon Tam, River Tam mm-hmm. storyline. Uh, so, in the storyline, in the chronology uh simon tam uh i you know i i can't remember exactly how he ends up on the ship with them but uh he rescued his sister river from some sort of government facility that was doing experiments on her because of how freaking smart she was and he got i think it was letters that were misspelled And he took it as to be a code and he was able to figure out the code to that. She was in trouble and he went and rescued her and the government went after her, went after both of them. They went aboard the Serenity when they were on, I don't remember the name of the planet now. um, And they were, it was an Alliance plant. Yeah. 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 And they picked them up as passengers because they were trying to, you know, they're trying to get any sort of job that they possibly can, including uh, transport, including transport. And that's how they Mm. came upon the ship. And they Mm. soon discovered that um, one of the people that they transported was an Alliance mole that was actually after uh, Simon and River, whereas uh, Malcolm thought he was after them. So that's the whole that's how it all like started and went down. That's right. And um, yeah, I it was kind of j- like my memory was a little foggy exactly how they got on there. But um, one of the important parts of it is that you don't know Rivers with them initially. Um, she's actually mm-hmm. like stored in a cryo chamber uh, when yep. they first get there. And he like basically is threatening Mal to not open the box that she's in. And he opens it up and sees her laying in this cryo chamber. And so, of course, Mal has a lot of questions and he reveals that uh, she's his sister. And then you find out through a series of flashbacks and things like that, that she was extremely intelligent 
um, throughout her whole life and stuff like that. And like you mentioned, because of that, ends up getting tested on and things like that. But uh, one thing I thought was really interesting. So this the, the cast of this show has a bunch of big names on it. Uh, or I wouldn't say I should shouldn't say big names, but a lot of names that people like watch a lot of different shows and stuff like that will recognize. For instance, uh, Christina Hendricks, who was in uh, Mad Men, but not Mad Men, the animated series. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she was in Mad Men um, and, and a, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, she's in another show right now that I really like and I'm blanking out on the name of it. Let me see if I can jog my memory here real quick. Uh, but anyway, uh, she's in it. Mark Shepard, he plays Badger, uh, who is one of the Adventure of the Week starters. Like, he's one of the people that will fund some of the missions that they go on and stuff like that. Um, so he's in it. But the reason that I bring this up is because in one of the flashbacks, uh, Simon and River, when they're kids and they're at home, in uh, their study, and uh, Simon's working, trying to become a doctor, and River's just kind of being, you know, a little kid, stuff like that. Uh, but while I was watching the scene, I'm like, God, I know the guy that plays the young Simon Tam, and it was not coming to me. I Like, I could recognize the face, but it was just off enough that I couldn't tell 100% sure. So I looked it up, and I found it. Do you guys know who played the young Simon Tam? I do not. Absolutely not. It was a, I'm assuming, very young, probably early teens, Zac Efron. <laughs> Are you serious? A hundred percent serious. Yep. I'm, I'm going to have to go sure back and pre- rewatch that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it predates like high school musical era because he still kind of had uh, like when he was younger, he had a little bit of a gap in his front teeth that I think. I don't remember. As we all did. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember seeing, like, I've never seen the high school musical movies or anything, but I don't remember seeing that in any of, like, the clips I've ever seen of it, like, on TV or whatever that showed up. So I'm assuming this predated even that. Wow. I I did not know that. Yeah. Blew my mind. (laughs) So anyway, so uh, that was one of the things I thought was really interesting. But, um... Yeah, so there's just all these kinds of different stories that show up uh, during the series. So there's like one where they do a train robbery. Uh, There's another where they are trying to uh, rescue, like they find a ship that's stranded or something like that. So they're trying to like rescue the people on it. Oh, yeah. The Reavers episode. The Reavers, Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they did a really good job of, like, they had, you know, kind of funny episodes, they had scary episodes. Um, It really, to an extent, almost reminded me a little bit of, like, a Doctor Who style, where they would throw in kind of all different kinds of genres into the the storyline. So, so, you know, some horror-esque stuff, some more, like, spaghetti western kind of stuff. It was just interesting. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, Now, one other thing that I do have to mention here that I think we need to talk about is, you know, being that this is a space Western, uh, it obviously has a lot of the plot points of a Western style story and stuff like that. But one thing that I think really makes the show unique in that genre is that they are all legitimately wearing and dressed in and using 
like Western era yeah. clothing and stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, for instance, they mentioned earlier the brown coats. Uh, Nathan Fillion's character is pretty commonly seen wearing like a duster jacket like you'd see in the old days. Uh, they even have, and I think this is the funniest thing ever, they even have revolvers and rifles and stuff like that from the westerns, but they all shoot lasers. Yeah, I was about to say that the, my favorite my favorite part of the show was the fact that they were able to like merge parts of like western and sci-fi. Um, I don't remember what episode it was. I think it was the train episode where they were playing pool but there was like a glitch and it was actually turned out it was a hologram of a pool table. I just thought that was really neat. Like they, they combined like these uh, Western tropes with the sci-fi tropes, like yep. with the, the six shooter revolver, but it shoots lasers or the, mm-hmm. the uh, pool table that like glitches because it's a, uh, a hologram. It's like casual cyberpunk. Yeah, like, that's a good they, way to describe it. They don't go like full Johnny Mnemonic where, you know, it's like dystopian. It's almost like we just went back in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there's still remnants of technology that existed. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like the this updated technology, but it, it's like it was a remnant from, you know, the actual old days of of the westerns and i i remember reading somewhere that um josh whedon kind of did that on purpose um when he was creating the show he wanted to show that how like even though it's set in the future that things elements issues that we see in society uh with the government and everything else still will be existing in the future in his observation when as as far as the show is concerned and i just thought that was really interesting that throughout the entire show like when it came to the government when it came to you know issues of morality and everything else including technology you still see those kinds of things filter through throughout the future yep yep and it's worth noting that so the alliance in the show they i don't think they ever say it directly in the show but in the books they get more in the backstory leading up to the civil war that occurred Mm -hmm. and um The Alliance is the combination of the U.S. and Chinese Mm. governments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's not something that was ever really explicitly said. But uh, they do make a note online that the full name for the Alliance is the Anglo-Sino Alliance. So it was supposed to be like the English, the, you know, the British, Americans, whatever, and... um, the Chinese were like the only global superpowers left essentially. And so they, they formed this alliance to kind of increase their power throughout the galaxy as well. And they went to it in the show with, they have some Chinese dialogue, like slang Uh, terms yep, and um, a little bit of Chinese culture in some of the episodes. Yep. Yep. And I was going to say, I, I remember them speaking at various points in episodes, like in Mandarin, yeah, like they, they, uh, I, I don't remember specifics, but uh, Malcolm was getting upset over something dealing with one of the people that gave him a job. And he just starts like swearing basically in Mandarin <laughs> to Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's interesting, if you think about it, is that uh, not necessarily the speaking Chinese, but the 
inclusion of Chinese culture would have been something that would have been common in Westerns because of the prevalence of Asian Americans in the West during, you know, that time period when they were coming Westward over. Westward expansion. Yeah. 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 So it's really interesting that they carried that forward, you know, 500 years into the future in this as well. Uh, because that's another, you know, common trope in those Westerns that they were able to, you know, tie it in and include it, but also tie it in in a way that made sense. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, there's a random, you know, Chinese settlement or whatever here. It's like, oh, no, that actually makes sense according to the Alliance and things like that. So uh, really, really smart writing there from the writing crew there. Absolutely. And it's it's really sad for the excellent writing and everything that went into the show because it was almost set up to fail from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Fox kind of half-heartedly invested in it. It's kind of like Joss Whedon had that Buffy the Vampire thing going where, you know, that was had a lot of steam. And they saw potential in him, but they never were really sold on the show. One of the things that sticks, the two things that stick out to me the most were they reused a lot of props and stuff from other Fox properties. Like in the right. early episodes, the Alliance soldiers wore Starship Troopers uniforms. Yes, I knew those looked familiar mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out where they would, I would have seen them before. I looked something up and came across that. That's hilarious. Much like they uh, did with, uh, like, so Fox and Saban did the same thing for Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Yep, yep. I was was going to mention that. They reused the same uniform. So even (laughs) though there was only one uh, Fox-produced Starship Trooper movies, I mean, total, I think there's three or four plus the anime, but another topic they fox got their money use out of that out of those uniforms because they seem to use them in everything yeah yeah and the other thing that was the the kind of a you know fox quickly moved it to the death slot on friday night Mm -hmm. at 9 p.m right and then they started airing the episodes out of order by what they thought would be most interesting in the preview to try and build an audience so the reason so the reason um that many have speculated why the Fox did these things was way back when the show was being formulated, uh, thought out and pitched to Fox was that they had issues with Wash and Zoe being married and they wanted them to not be married. And Josh Whedon pretty much said, this is my show. Go blank yourself. And, um, well, and, the important thing there is because they wanted, you know, just like any good, you know, Western movie or a TV show or whatever, they right. wanted there to be like a a relationship aspect between those two. They wanted like the, oh, are they going to get together? Is this the episode they're finally going to get? But right. when, when Wash and Zoe were married, that they knew that was out the door. And, and so that made it hard you know, hard for them to sell on that point. So when that, so after like they did eventually back down, but ever like after that, they started doing the things that Paul had mentioned Ari, you know, one, they advertised the show as like a space comedy instead of being a serious character study that Josh Whedon really wanted it to be. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we talk about the characters. And they also, like Paul said, put it on Friday night, the, the Friday night lineup, which, uh, there has been quite a few shows on Fox that have uh, been canceled at mm-hmm. that, that at that spot. 
Firefly included, and and they air the the episodes out of order, which um, you know for the most part it shouldn't be too hard if you watch one episode that you wouldn't be able to pick up on what's happening, but it did make it difficult when you got a bunch of episodes out of order and you're trying to piece together this overarching story that uh, they were trying to put together. Right, and and just to just to clarify. Like when we say that they aired them out of order and stuff like that, just to clarify how disorganized and how all like zigzaggy they did it. This is the actual air date, uh, including preemptions, meaning that it like got bumped off of television for a week to make space for something else to be aired. Maybe you know maybe sports or something like that. Uh, so this is the actual air order that they did on Fox of the uh, original run of this. Uh, the first episode was episode two, then three, then six. Oh, then they then they preempted the show for a week. Then they went to seven, eight, four, five, nine. Then they preempted it two weeks in a row. Episode ten uh, was released after that. Then 14, which is the last episode, and then all the way back to episode one. So they actually aired the the last episode and the first episode in reverse order in back-to-back weeks. And then uh, it says here that episodes 11, 12, and 13 uh, not even aired until the Sci-Fi Channel brought the series to the United Kingdom. So three episodes were never even aired on American television during oh the God. original run. I was going to say, I never saw those episodes until the DVD release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so out of the 14 episodes, they initially only showed 11. All of them, like, basically you only would get, like, maybe, like, one episode in the chronology. So, for instance, like two and three and then they show a different episode and then seven eight and then they go to a different one and do four five and then go like jump ahead again so uh you can see why the show would have low ratings because even though like we mentioned there's not necessarily a storyline that you have to follow week to week but it makes the overarching storyline really hard to follow when you're not following that in the correct order so like you can watch the episodes in almost any order and like get the base element of the storyline out of it but you're gonna miss the bigger storyline that is persistent throughout the whole series and and that's really that's really kind of sucky because um one of the things that I really was when I first watched it I was really excited about the show is there was a lot of air of mystery surrounding each and every character like yeah you didn't know a lot about especially the shepherd um yep. he somehow knew a lot about the underworld the crime underworld and you had to figure that if the show kept going on you were going to learn more about that um right the whole the whole simon and river uh story saga that left a lot of questions unanswered when they canceled the show um, mm-hmm. j- just there, there was a lot of just character development that happened at, from episode to episode. And if you're trying to bounce around and follow that through like the episodes out of order, 
that just made it really difficult i in I, my opinion even though i just recently watched it um i can testify to this because uh i was watching them through uh paul and they were all off by an episode so trying to figure out where the episode i would like i watched episode number what was it uh the serenity episode which was like eight the first maybe? one oh yeah yeah well it was in the original run i think it was like the eighth episode or something like that even though it's the oh no it was episode 11 in the initial run, even though it's the first chronologically, because that's the one that sets up the whole storyline and stuff like that. So I was on Facebook watch because we were trying because Facebook watch carries the show and we couldn't figure out what the first episode was supposed to be because they don't even have the air day. Correct. Right. Yeah. They have uh, serenity listed as like, I think, I think they have it as the 11th episode too, or something like that. Yep. But we kept trying to figure out why, the everything wasn't matching up and stuff so even you know 17 years later it's still really confusing as to about what the hell order you're supposed to watch this damn show in yeah <laughs> uh so are there any like favorite characters that you guys have in the show mine definitely was kaylee um and Mine the reason well. m- the reason being was she just had an energy about her that made you just like happy. She mm-hmm. was she was just sincerely happy to be on Serenity. Anytime that anyone badmouthed the ship, she got super offensive. And like for all the flaws in each and every character that was on the ship, she truly like deeply cared for each and every uh crew mm-hmm. member on that ship and it just like hands down she is my favorite character by far Mm -hmm. well and one thing i really liked as i mentioned kaylee uh, was going to be my answer for this too um and i think one of the things that i really liked about her is that she you know she was this overwhelmingly positive person but you could still tell that to an extent she was a little unsure about herself especially in certain Mm -hmm. situations um, mm-hmm. And in particular, one the one episode that I think I really started to enjoy her character a lot uh, was the episode Shindig, uh, which is episode six. Uh, God knows where that actually uh, showed up in the original run. <laughs> uh, but the episode uh, has Inara go to a ball. Uh, so, right. They talk about this throughout the show, but um, Anara is basically a woman of the night. She has clients that come and spend, you know, pay money to spend time with her, and uh, she gets asked to go to a ball with one of the customers, one of the clients, and he basically says like he's going to take, like he wants to pay for her and take her away. Uh, and live with him permanently and stuff like that. And uh, of course, Mal doesn't want that because he, you know, he cares about her and stuff like that. So uh, Mal brings Kaylee to the ball, and she's wearing this big fluffy gown and stuff like that, very you know Western style gown. She goes into this ball and she sees a group of girls, 
and tries to strike up a conversation with them about how great it is and stuff like that. And uh, they immediately start making fun of her for her dress because she bought it as opposed to it being made for her. Um, And you can see that really kind of crushes her a little bit um, like that, that little bit of insecurity. Like she knows she doesn't fit in there, but what's so great is a few minutes later they're at the ball and she's talking again and she has this big bright smile and she's, uh, you know, talking and it pans back and you realize she's talking to a group of guys and they're all just enraptured with her because she's talking about working on the engines of the spaceship and stuff like that. So it's great because she kind of has this little bit of like vulnerability to her, but she also exudes this amazing confidence that makes her really great character throughout the show. Yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, moments of the show as well. And like one of the guys is about ready to ask her to dance. And the other guy's like, wait, 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 she's talking. Let her let her talk. Let her talk. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say my favorite character is Jane, Um, mostly because he's played by Baldwin and, you know, one of the Baldwins with abs. (laughs) But (laughs) Alec used to have abs. (laughs) They're just hiding now. Yes. I can't make that joke. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Something about cushion. Anyway, um, Does it rhyme with? So, put, never mind. I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. Exactly. PG. <laughs> so, I I love Jane, but partially it's because he has great one-liners. He's very rough around the edges. He he has this persona like he would sell anyone out in a heartbeat for the money. But when push comes to shove and he has the opportunity, he never follows through with it. He always chooses, you know, the Mm -hmm. crew of the family over, over the money. But that wasn't always the case. And one of my favorite episodes is an episode called Janestown. And they land on a planet to do a job and they discover a town called Janestown. And at the, at the courtyard or the quad of this town is a giant statue of Jane because years ago he had been doing a job on that planet and he was trying to steal money from the mine owner that kept most, of the workers employed and when they were trying to take off they had too much weight on the ship so he threw his partner out to <laughs> save the weight and every other piece of thing and then they still couldn't break the he couldn't break the atmosphere so eventually he threw the money out so that he could get away <laughs> and when he threw the money out it landed in this mining town and it allowed them uh, to rebuild and buy a stake in the mine and you know better themselves so they saw him as a idol almost (laughs) and you know that he did this to save them when really he was just trying to rob the plantation owner and he didn't give a crap about the town (laughs) and he just you know happens to show up that you know he's the local celebrity and he his ego plays into that And it's just one of my favorite episodes. That One of the best moments from that episode is when he's like, before he realizes that he's a hero, he has like this, this huge parka on and the goggles and they stand right in front of this uh, statue that is a lifelike version of Jane. And everybody is standing there just enthralled. And he's like, we got a job to do. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have to say, uh, 
it, you know, there's some good comedy throughout the series and stuff like that, but probably the thing that made me laugh the hardest is there's an episode where he gets, uh, like, knocked out or something to where he's kind of immobilized. I think it might be the Reaver episode uh, where he gets knocked out or immobilized or something like that. And so oh, he got dr- the, the Simon drugged him. Drugged him. That's right. Yeah. He gets he gets drugged. It comes to this big climax. Something bad is about to happen to some of the characters, and all of a sudden you hear a shot ring out, and the bad guy goes down. And they look up, and uh, he's kind of laying on the ground. They were like, "Man, nice shot!" Because <laughs> he gets <laughs> shot in the leg or something like that. He goes, "Man, nice shot!" And he goes, "I was aiming for, I was his, aiming head. for his head." And head, he's like yeah. all, all loopy and kind of like. He's talking kind of like the people, you know, in those videos, all morphined up or whatever after getting a tooth pulled. So he's like, I was aiming for the head. (laughs) Oh, that legit made me laugh out loud. And, you know, there's really no bad characters on this show. Uh, Obviously, Alan Tudyk as Wash uh, was really good. This was kind of his big break. That's kind of when he first uh, got recognized. Uh, uh, Marina Baccarin's really good and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's some great characters on this. So, yeah. uh, what I I'm, I I know that uh, we probably have talked a lot about our our favorite moments, but uh, does anybody have any favorite episodes or what's their favorite episode from uh, Firefly? Paul, you can go first. I the Jane Town episode that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's my favorite. Mine, mine definitely would have to be the episode where they thought that Mal was married to one of the <laughs> locals from one of the planets that they were on. I mean, just just the uh, the amount of crap that they gave him throughout <laughs> the entire episode was just gold. And that scene where she was uh, trying to seduce him so that she could, because she turned out to be a. Uh, somebody that was trying to steal their ship a thief a thief that scene where she is like standing there in his room just gold just just gold television Mm -hmm. and one of one of my favorites for sure um i'd have to say mine is probably probably either bushwhacked which was the reaver episode or the train job, but both of them, I thought just like maybe bushwhacked a little bit more just because I thought that did a good job of being funny, but also adding a little bit of that horror style Mm -hmm. to it with the reavers. And, you know, there's that creepy scene where they go onto the ship. That's uh, like the abandoned ship and they're looking around and they can't find any of the crew members. And then they look up and they're all like tied to this chain hanging from the ceiling and stuff. You know, just, it, it added a, another aspect to the show, you know, uh, that already had these great genres and, and melding those genres and stuff like that. And I thought it just really, it, it did a good job of adding that genre to it without seeming, like, too overstated or too campy or anything like that. Uh, it, it just added for good, tense moments that also, you know, that episode also had some really good, uh, comedy and stuff like that in it as well. So, yeah. Exciting stuff. 
Well, as I look at the clock, I think that uh, has to wrap up our discussion on Firefly. So now moving on to Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia I have devised a trivia question for these gentlemen to answer. Uh, hold on, let me get back to the script here real quick. Uh, so I've devised <laughs> a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get a thousand balloons. Yay! They will all be they will all be Luft balloons because everyone loves a good red balloon. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, my question is. Uh, in the series, there were really five members to the crew that were kind of the main crew members. You had Mal, Zoe, Wash, uh, Kaylee, and uh, uh, Baldwin, Simon. Jane, Jane, Jane. Oh, Jane. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So those were the crew members, and then obviously, like there was uh, Shepard uh, and Bo- uh, Shepard and Anara and stuff like that, who were kind of tagging along and stuff. Uh, but how many members of the crew were there initially supposed to be in the script? Oh. I don't know. I'm going to say four, just because. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do the uh, prices Right thing and say five. <laughs> well, uh, Dan, congratulations! You have uh, prices righted uh, Paul right out of the uh, the win category. There, uh, the I actual get a thousand no- balloons, <laughs> you, a thousand red balloons. <laughs> uh, so the correct answer was nine. There was initially supposed to be oh. nine crew members of the show, but they decided to scale it to five, which really I think is you know a good. Good call. Uh, nine would like five already. You know, you have a lot of storylines and stuff there. So trying to keep together nine storylines on top of that would have been would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there we have it, you guys. Uh, this was uh, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Dan is our winner. He gets a thousand balloons and nothing else. You get nothing. Good day, sir. You <laughs> lose, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day. So please join us next time when Brian will lead us in Cheers, which will be our last canon episode of 2019. Maybe. Who knows? It might carry into 2020. <laughs> uh, and we want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss in 2020, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And I'd like to thank uh, Adam and Paul for bringing me back again. It's always a lot of fun to be on the show with you guys. Hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, Dan really helped us out. It, it kind of, not necessarily last minute, but it came up uh, later rather than sooner that we were going to need to uh, fill in. So it was nice of Dan to jump in on short notice for us. For sure. Thank you very much. So if you like what you heard, there's always more to come. 
You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at AOL.com. We've got mail. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion. And these guys also post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find them on dating ourselves podcast and they can do the Twitter thing too at dated podcast. Well, thank you. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Later, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.